Welcome to day 18 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp. I'm here with David Keefe and Cindy Kemp. Hey, guys. As we continue to read through the, the Gospel of Luke, come to a passage in chapter 9 where Jesus sends out the disciples for the first time. They've watched him teach. They've watched him uh, heal. They've watched him you know, drive out demons. And he gives them the power to do the very same, that the kingdom of God is not only uh, being manifested in Jesus, but it's being manifested in the new people of God, the mm-hmm. 12 that he has called uh, his own disciples and who represent uh, the rebuilding of Israel. So before we read uh, through chapter 9 today, uh, why don't we uh, offer ourselves and uh, this moment to the Lord. David, can you lead us? Yeah, absolutely. Father, we thank you so much for time today to open your word. Um, we thank you for your word, and we do ask that as we read it, um, that we would be shaped into it. Um, Father, that you would do the great work that only you can do. Um, convict us where we need conviction. Father, encourage us where we need encouragement. And may you help us see Christ. And may we um, marvel at him. Um, may we be in awe of him. And may you, through your spirit, give us the strength and the power to continue following him each and every day. And so, Father, thank you for time in your word. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Luke chapter 9 and verse 1. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed, because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John, who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see them. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with them, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we're in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to the disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Once when Jesus was praying in private and the disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter had answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell anyone this. He said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, 
whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up to a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring fulfillment in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving, Jesus said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered into the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept us to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. A nice, uh, again, collection of events in the, in the life of Jesus, uh, from the feeding of the 5,000 to the sending out of the disciples mm-hmm. uh, to the transfigur- transfiguration. What are some of the things that stand out as you guys uh, read through this passage? And even at the start, as we're looking at Jesus sending out the 12, um, and you were talking about the introduction, Paul, how obviously the kingdom is now being carried on, you know, beginning to be through the people of God. And we see that they are sent out in the power that Jesus gave them and sent out to proclaim the kingdom of God and, and to heal the sick. And so, again, just thinking about our, our same call, uh, as we even see later in you know, the Gospel of Matthew, to, to go and make disciples and then into the book of Acts, how to take the message um, to the ends of the earth and how that's it's something done not in, in our own power um, as witnesses to the gospel and the kingdom, but something done in the power given to us through Christ. Um, and so we love getting to see that, how they are dependent on God to provide in this journey, um, not to take these things with them, but to go in, in faith. And so I love getting to see some of those movements there that are still true of us today. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra mm-hmm. shirt. Yep. None of those things. I wonder why you couldn't take a staff. But anyway, <laughs> lean on Jesus rather than leaning on your staff. Yeah. It also, you know, gives you, you know, a picture of the range of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times we really think the kingdom is, you know, just about the preaching of the gospel. And we've narrowed the gospel down to where the gospel is just about, uh, you know, praying a prayer and going to heaven. You know, when you die, but you get to see that, that he is restoring all of creation, and of course, that is the goal of the gospel. And the good news of the gospel, you know, is that God is in Christ, reconciling, you know, the world to Himself, not counting men's sins against Him, and through Christ is reconciling all things. And and you get a picture of the breadth of reconciliation, uh, power over demons to cure diseases, proclaiming the kingdom of God, and healing the sick. It's a very holistic gospel that touches people both spiritually and physically and restores them not only to fellowship with God but to well-being and to wholeness. So it's a beautiful picture of, you know, of, of the gospel. Curious kind of thing he tells them, if they don't receive you, shake the dust 
uh, you know, off of your sandals. This was a habit that self-righteous Jews had anytime they ventured into Gentile mm-hmm. territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would stop after they got just inside, you know, you know, Judea, or you know, uh, and and they would shake the dust out of their clothes and out of their shoes and stuff like that. And this is kind of in reverse. Mm-hmm. You know, he's actually saying you're the ones who remain unclean because you have not responded mm-hmm. to God's provision for your wholeness, you know, through you know, through the gospel. And I do like too the picture that um they're going but you know, they're not it's not completely responsible. They're not completely responsible for these conversions. I mean, it really is these these people who receive or reject and then they can just move on i mean there's just that freedom to to move on so. no it's you know we're, we're only called to be faithful exactly. you know, to yeah. the gospel yeah. it is you know it's god's secret work in the life and the hearts of yeah. men through the holy spirit you know that bring men and women into a relationship with himself and so mm-hmm. he has not called us you know so much uh, to be responsible for the results as to be responsible for our faithfulness to him to both demonstrate, you know, in word and deed, you know, the power of, of, mm-hmm. of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So our calling, you know, from the very beginning was to uh, reflect God's glory, you know, to the world around us. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's what we lost in the fall and what we are regaining through the gospel. He has restored us, you know, to a position of being carriers of, of, of the gospel. And then we kind of move to the feeding of the 5,000. Yeah. Um, I love this. I keep thinking um, this is all another object lesson for the disciples. I mean, I know we have a bunch of people to be, you know, be fed here. But I love that verse uh, in 13 where he replies to them, well, can you give them something to eat? You know, yeah, just you take set, care of them. Yeah, just to pick, you know, they're kind of set up to realize that, yeah, it's beyond what they could do. But mm-hmm. what a picture of, you know, um, God feeding even in the desert, you know, providing right. bread in the desert, and I feel like this there's, is good, there's there's no doubt that, of that. yeah mm-hmm. there's no doubt that that's what's happening right. here. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, in John, uh, you know, they come to Jesus and say, you know, Moses, you know, fed us in the desert. Y- mm-hmm. You've done it once. Are you going to continue to do this? Mm-hmm. But there's no you know there's no doubt that you're taking an Old Testament picture, right? You know, of God's ability in this remote place we're in a remote mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. and it says you know let's you know find them food and shelter uh that god is caring you know for his people mm-hmm. and and you're right in, in in the in the form of an object lesson mm-hmm. uh, there's 12 huge baskets exactly you know, left mm-hmm. over so you have you know you have each of the 12 you know kind of holding mm-hmm. you know a basket and looking at it and said oh my goodness mm-hmm. we have more now than we started with uh at his hands mm-hmm. and through his blessing Mm-hmm. And the same lesson from the early mm-hmm. fishing venture, where they caught nothing, mm-hmm. but uh, by the wow. grace of yeah. God, and uh, He mm-hmm. enlarged enlarged their provision in so many ways. Mm-hmm. That. I love that too. How you know, at, at the hand of Christ and at the grace of God, verse seventeen, they all ate, and they were satisfied. Mm-hmm. And so there's something Jesus provides that mm-hmm. we, in and of ourselves, can cannot find that mm-hmm. satisfaction outside of Him and His work. No. And so we can see that beautiful picture there at the end. Mm-hmm. And and you see, you know the bigger images, you know that he, you know that he uses. I am the bread of life, and whoever eats and uh, partakes of this bread will never be hungry again. And I'm a spring of living water, and mm-hmm. whoever receives me has, you know, within him a spring. You know, will never, you know, never thirst again. Mm-hmm. So uh, beautiful images of, 
you know, not only the grace that he gives us and the common provisions that he gives us, but the deep satisfaction he gives us. Of course, the writer of Ecclesiastes said that that's amazing because there are a lot of people have a lot of things and they, and they don't find satisfaction, which is, you know, a gift from God. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then you have the question, you know, what are the, what's the buzz? You know, who are the crowds you know, saying about me? And, and, and these are all complimentary things, but they're all, you know, missing, you know, the point. All short. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're doing the, saying the same thing here. It is already mm-hmm. said, John the Baptist, uh, Elijah, uh, some prophet, prophet, you know, yeah. from, you know, long ago. And uh, Jesus said, what about you? What are you, guys, uh, what are you guys beginning to realize? As you see all of this happening in front of you, mm-hmm. what are you beginning to realize? And Peter both at the same time, he hits a nail on the head, but he's still missing it because he has no idea what this means or what it means to be Messiah. But he's saying, you are, you are the Christ. And, of course, that word means anointed one. And it points back to the Davidic king that would rescue God's people and usher in you know, a new time of peace mm-hmm. or shalom and, and prosperity. So Peter is getting it right, but he still has a lot to learn you know, about who Messiah is. And what Messiah is. Matter of fact, uh, that's exactly what Jesus does. Mm-hmm. You know, in the very next you know section, mm-hmm. uh, he's taking them back. You know, not to the latter chapters of Isaiah and the restoration of the kingdom, but to you know to some of the climactic chapters where he talks about the suffering servant mm-hmm. and uh, the words he he uses here. Uh, you know, in verse twenty-two, mm-hmm. uh, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected the necessity of doing you know these things and he must be killed and on the third day raised to life mm-hmm. i love that i'm sure none of that made sense to them at all that side of seeing you know it played out and then you know recognizing that later but if um the whole idea of rejection why would the messiah be rejected if he's the messiah but yet he has to say this is what's going to happen and it's the rejection of by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and then to be killed. I mean, that's yeah. um, well. So there's something about us. We love things to be the way they are, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, they, you know, they love the status quo. It was very good to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot on the fringes of society, you know, were being neglected, and of course, this is the great reversal of exactly. the gospel. Those mm-hmm. on the fringes, he will fill with good things, and the rich he'll send away hungry. Yep. Uh, but uh, they, they love the status quo, and, and of course they didn't want to do, you know, we, earlier this week we learned they, did, they didn't follow God's purposes for their life because they did not receive that baptism of repentance from John. Mm-hmm. They weren't ready to repent. They wanted God to make everything right around them, mm-hmm. but the place that God wanted to start was by making things right mm-hmm. with them, mm-hmm. you, know, through, you know, through His grace. And Jesus picks up again on that great reversal when he gives the call to discipleship. Um, you know, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. And mm-hmm. What good is it for man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his very soul? Yeah, so you have your answer why mm-hmm. he was re- rejected. He's preaching a gospel of self-denial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In order to know the fullness of God, it's a mm-hmm. it's a fantastic trade, but it's hard for us to bring ourselves to where we give away ourselves in order to gain ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, which is you know what He's calling us to. And then, of course, we you know close with the transfiguration, you know, transfiguration, mm-hmm. and uh, see once again, you know, Peter, you know, 
first of all, he slept through most of it. So he, <laughs> How do you sleep through that? He, he's already missed it. Oh, that's cool. I'm going to go. Yeah. Go to bed he's now. already missed it, but he kind of wakes uh, up at the end. He's like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Let's happening. just stay here forever. Mm-hmm. And God says, you know, this is my son. He's the one I'm chosen. He's the one mm-hmm. that ought to be, you know, telling us what we need to do here. Mm-hmm. So listen to him and, and not your own impulses. Mm-hmm. And I just want to stay on this mountain forever. And who doesn't? Mm-hmm. And who yeah. wouldn't? Uh, but the purposes of God call us to, uh, you know, go down the hill, be reengaged with the world, mm-hmm. and to be bearers of the gospel that He has mm-hmm. called us, called us to be. Mm-hmm. Father, thank you for the rich images of grace we find um, in the Gospel of Luke. We thank you that you've given us uh, four voices uh, telling your story. Uh, they come together so beautifully, and yet each of them are rich in their own theology and theme and emphasis help us to hear your voice in every gospel writer and every letter written and help us father to be shaped by your word it's in your holy name we pray amen 